You're listening to Leadership Game Changers, conversations with heart and humor. Before I introduce my guest for today, I wanted to remind you that I now have a newsletter. People often ask me what resources and books I recommend or which ones I'm currently reading or listening to because I listen to Audible all the time and I love to share with all of you. So I have this weekly newsletter that includes different resources that are inspiring me at the moment. If you're interested in receiving it, just to comply with legal regulations, you need to access the link that you have in the description of whichever platform you're listening to this on, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, Apple podcast, or Spotify. And yeah, let me know. I hope it's useful and inspiring and please give me feedback. So now let's get to my wonderful guest for today. He's the head of leadership development for his company, certified in psychological safety, which is one of my favorite topics. And he's been doing this for over 20 years. He's even won awards for his work. He's worked both in the fashion industry and the automotive retail industry. And he's all about unlocking individuals' hidden potential and empowering people to achieve a fulfilled professional and personal life. In this conversation, we start out with the definition of psychological safety, and then very quickly we move into the different stages. There are four with with tips and advice for ways to work within each stage. We talk about a really cool thing called speedback, which is feedback fresh from the heart. And we get to hear about how Paul works with his teams with specific examples, his secrets to success that he reluctantly shares because <laughs> he says, oh, how am I going to share all my secrets that everyone's going to know them? But he is funny and sweet and authentic. And in the end, we talk about shared accountability, leading by example, and how to create psychological safety in the most important place in our lives. And that is at home. We have in common our belief in the concept of the table, sitting around the dining table where the most important conversations happen in a family. So you'll get to hear about that. So without further ado, let's go meet Paul. Okay, so let's dive right in. So what do you want listeners to know about you, Paul? Uh, what do I want to know about me? Just really know what my passion for what I do. You know, um, I've been an L&D professional for quite a few years now, uh, and I've built myself up through through many different kind of roles, you know, like in sales, manager and senior level. And in the L&D world, it's really kind of, I've been quite passionate about. And I think, you know, I'd like people to know about you know, what I do and how I do it. And I suppose really what my why is and why I do it, you know, because, um, yeah, as we go through it, hopefully that will come across really strong just to share my passion and also, I suppose, to inspire other people in this in this area of psychological safety. And I suppose take it take it from a word that just sits up there as some people see it as fluffy and go, oh, my God, this is stuff that's really powerful. Yeah, this is one of my favorite topics, I have to say. So let's just start out with, like, you know, how would you define psychological safety for, for listeners? Question. Um, do you know what? For me, it's about it creates that space for you to truly be you, you know, all barriers off, you know, um, I think, you know, when we, when we try and be someone else or we're trying to be something, we're trying to fit, we're trying to conform suddenly, you know, as, as a great quote I got from when I did my certification in this is it shouldn't be expensive to be yourself. Um, and that really hit me because I suddenly thought, gosh, yeah, I wonder how many times we try and be someone else or we try and fit a, a norm that that norm just doesn't feel really great with us and, and for me doing what I do with the work I do with teams now 
it almost just strips all that back. It's a, it's a bit like you crack yourself open and you go, actually, this is me and I'm going to celebrate who I am and I'm going to bring that true, authentic self. Um, and you know what? I want people to just kind of hear and see that. And um, yeah, for me, that's how it just really sums it up. I just think it's such a powerful, it's a powerful moment for people when they go, it's okay to be me. Yeah. Actually, it's great to be me. Um, yeah. Because- you know that, that, that saying, be yourself because everyone else is taken. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. It's so true. So, so true. You know, why, why, why even try? Because, you know, you are, you are you for a reason and, and, and that's a powerful reason, but I don't think people celebrate them, themselves enough. Yeah. So let's talk about that because, right, this is what we want. How do you do it? Because that's the challenging part is how do you create an environment of psychological safety where everybody can be themselves and it doesn't come at a price. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think you need to take people on a bit of a journey with it, you know, because it's something that you're right. You know, it's, it's, it's two words that people go, I get, I can read, I can do stuff with it. And I think, you know, we were in Jardine Motors Group, we were at that point of, you know, the pandemic and everything that kind of obviously the world had gone crazy. And we were, we were like, well, what do we do for our senior leaders? You know, we, we knew we were about to kind of reopen again. We had that real, that real kind of moment. And you think, you know, the biggest disruption that happened was team dynamics. You know, you've got these teams and individual dealerships that are so close knit. Suddenly they've gone to, now you're going to work from home. We're in lockdown. No one can see anybody. We're remote working. We're, we're relying on virtual to keep us connected, which was, which was powerful. Suddenly we're all going to come back and people are not coming back the same as they were. Um, what, yeah. what, what do we do? How do we do it? How do leaders get themselves equipped to deal with, those emotions, those anxieties, maybe excitement, and then you've got the customers coming in. So um, I just did a bit of research around, you know, I could see it was psychological safety was there, but it, for me, it was really, it was really blowing up. And I did a bit of research into different companies that were doing it. And obviously Google had put out, you know, over the last few years, they have heavy report around. That's the number one thing that really builds team dynamics. Right. Um, Aristotle, right. Was they, they did the, yeah. yeah the project project Aristotle. Yeah, I love the name, right? 2000, I think it was 2008, so it was quite some time ago, but then they revised it. I think they came back and, and looked at it again in 2016. And I think it was super surprising for listeners that, that you know, so people know this was a study done by Google where they, they, they I think they, uh, it was like at least maybe 500 teams or something like that, was it? Yeah, or thousands, it was, thousands of employees, wasn't it? Yeah, and, it, and anywhere from, you know, three people on a team to 50 people on a team. And what came out as the number one factor for high performance was psychological safety. And I, I found that super surprising. I guess not in some ways, right? Because you think, well, yeah, of course. But for it to be number one, I think it was very eye-opening for people. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, they're an inspiring brand. So you kind of go, well, if they've seen that, you know, and they're doing something with it and they, they put the research into it. So the data was there, you know, the, it wasn't just something kind of um, someone to pluck out of thin air. So um, so yeah, it kind of hooked me in and I thought, well, I want to do more about it. I want to learn more about it, research it. So yeah. in that time, you know, when we weren't doing anything, <laughs> you know, I was like, right, let's, let's research. And obviously, Amy Edmondson had really blown it up, you know, early 2020, yeah. uh, 20, 2000s. And it was like, Okay, right. Let, let's see what this is about. And then I got, um, I picked up on Leader Factor. Um, so, you, you know, American-based company, gentleman called Timothy R. Clark. First of all, I grabbed the book. I thought, let me read this. Um, and what was really powerful was he'd done all his research and his study over here in the UK, Oxford University, and then he just brought it all back. But he lived and breathed what he'd learned as a CEO in many organizations. So he was now able to go, I've got the case studies, I've got the ROI, I can show what this can do. And, and then he's launched his own business. So um, 
yeah, I pitched a business case to our, my HRD and said, look, I think this is something we need to get onto. You know, I, I think it's I think it's something really different. I reckon it's really powerful, and I think it's the right time to bring it to our teams. And, and no one else is doing it very much in the UK. Yeah. So yeah, we did it. Uh, I went off and got certified um, with Leader Factor. I couldn't go to America though, Michelle. That was my gutted moment. You know, <laughs> I was like, I'm ready, but the pandemic had stopped me traveling. So we did it. We did it virtually, but equally, it was really great. Um, and what that enabled me then is to have this deeper concept of um, tools and tips. Um, around the four stages of psychological safety that Leader Factor have launched. And I was like, right, now I can bring this into Jardine. So um, we did, we took, we took the directors with their direct team on a bit of a program over 2021. Um, and we hadn't done that before where we'd actually brought a whole team together. You know, they, they perhaps go on leadership programs, but they're with other people in the group. But to bring a team together, um, and we did, we took them on a real powerful journey around really identifying those four stages of inclusion safety, learner safety, contributor and challenger safety with loads of activities. You know, it was very experiential and really, yeah. and some of it was really powerful and thought-provoking because it, it put people out of their comfort zone to have to really talk openly when they were sharing what their true values are. And you know, it was emotional, but you know, you hear directors now going, I, they, you know, they, they present in front of hundreds of people. And I remember one time he said, gosh, man, just presenting in front of like 10 of my team. He said, this is really challenging me. But he goes, the power of it was just phenomenal hearing his, his yeah. team. And, and he said, what it does now, it now, it now gets me to realize the buttons that I now can push yeah. with all of my team. But all the team said, God, it just feels like it's a, you know, it's broken down any of those barriers that we had. I understand people on a deeper level. Um, and the nice yeah. thing is that, the day gets wrapped up with a survey that the team would have um, carried out before. So they've got something tangible at the end and I leave them, I leave them for about an hour once we've gone through all the, the exploration of the model uh, and they come back with all this new sense of innovation and ideas because what they've done is they've gone, yeah, right. We're back team. Right. We can do things differently. And why don't we try this? And just really powerful, you know, and we've been able to link this in Michelle with like engagement surveys and business yeah. and you, you kind of go, it was the, for me the challenge was was taking something that I knew people would go it's just it's just words you know it sits up there as a high level thing you know do it, and then to actually go gosh this is really powerful you know so we almost yeah. we almost been we almost didn't say psychological safety we just called it creating high performing teams but it was all wrapped around the psychology right right that's great can we go back to the four stages and you can talk a little bit about each stage. Um, so that people understand the differences of the stages because they one builds on the other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So first stage is, is really that inclusion safety, you know, a place where you truly feel you're valued for who you are, you know, no judgment, you know, no, no, no experience. Actually, it doesn't matter who you are, what you are, background, you're really valued for who you are. And, and we get them to kind of talk about it. so they know each other, but we get them to do an exercise where, you know, they go out and I've got you know, loads of keywords on a table, you know, so it could be, you know, uh, achievement, performance, uh, comradeship, friendship, you know, harmony, all key value words. And I really, about 30 odd words, and we get people to look at just five that are really important to them. Um, and I get one by one them to come up in front of everybody and just talk about why those values are so important. What's the backstory of those values? Um, you know, and for some people, that, that, that pulls something from behind, you know, and that... Yeah. But it's to understand that the reason why you are where you are today is because of all this stuff is so important to you. Right. I, I love I love that because I think storytelling, telling, you know, sometimes you can work 10 years with someone without them actually really knowing who you are on a deeper level. 
And when you, when you talk about values, you automatically expose something essential. You tell somebody your story and it completely shifts not only how they see you, but how the room feels, right? When, when people start opening up and telling their stories. So that's the first stage, inclusion, inclusion you're valid, you're important, and we want to know who you are at your core. Yeah, absolutely right. And then, you know, the model builds on. Once you then feel you're in a place where I'm truly myself, there's that natural human innate need to, I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to develop. And it's about how do we create that space for people to really, you know, actually have a go, you know, and feel like they can have a go. They can bring their attributes and skills and, you know what, make mistakes, um, but also give each other feedback that's going to be in a way that's well-received and well-receptive um, and actually value each other for those unique attributes that we've kind of got. So we uh, we talk about that and, you know, understand the kind of psychology around, you know, what it does to the brain, you know, the, the kind of thinking and the feeling side of it, how that really impacts someone when, you know, when they put them in red zone and blue zone, you know, red zone is when you don't feel you're being punished, but blue zone is actually when you're feeling rewarded and, sometimes as leaders do we feel like we've always got the best decisions and actually I just step back as a leader and and start of the day we do an activity where it just throws everyone in a room we've got this big activity they're blindfolded they've got to navigate through a challenge and what's really fascinating is who steps up as the leader um do they default to the director or does actually do they realize there's some strengths in the team and they play to that Mm. Um, it's a great playback especially for when you get to some of the other levels so you know, we look back and go, okay, what did we learn in that activity? Yeah, do you know what? It's that person that should have been leading it, or we didn't nominate a leader and we just went at it at a mess. You know, what have we learned? Yeah, so, yeah, so we have some good yeah. And, and in this phase, I feel like, you know, some of the, the tips or skills here are asking open questions, right? Acknowledging people when they contribute something. Maybe doing something that I like is like the round table where you, you actually ask everyone, what could we be doing differently or you invite everybody's voice so so that learning piece is can the leader has to be quite proactive in, in creating a space of learning and I love the idea of sharing a leader sharing a fail story and modeling you know first being the first one to be vulnerable and say here's where I failed here's what I learned because yeah. people are much more likely to do it after that 100 percent, and you know and as you as you talk that aloud you, you know your natural your threat detection is going off there you know because you're going actually Am I going to get, is it safe or is it unsafe as we talk about in the process? And, you know, if I get a response that's encouraging and goes, you know what? Yeah, actually, you know what? I've had a similar, I've had a similar situation. Can I share mine? Suddenly that fires you up to go, it's okay to talk about this. And I need to talk about it and actually realize other people in the room are are really, really obviously having a similar scenario. So yeah, really powerful. Another thing I'm I'm aware of as you're speaking is the, 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 being aware of people or people being aware of their nonverbal language, you know, because there's also, it's, it's, it's not just words, right? So you can say something and shut someone down. You can also have a face or a gesture. You can, in your body language, you can, you can create a lack of safety, right? Someone says something and you get a, a look on your face of disapproval, or you have a snicker and that shuts down psychological safety. So there's also something about, you know, the, the, the verbal and nonverbal awareness of what message or what's my impact in on the team or in this space. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And we talk about that, that kind of body language and I get them to think about people with gravitas before you've even heard them, you know, we talk about, and, and always get them thinking, going, you know, how do you want to be remembered? You know, some people light up the room when they walk in, some people light up when they walk out. What do you want to be remembered for? And, you know, and they, they, they soon pull back on people that you go, 
Yeah, I remember when someone walked out the room and the whole room went, at last, he's gone. Uh, <laughs> That's terrible, yeah. You don't, want to be that, you don't want to be that person. <laughs> you got it, yeah, you got it. But then they get it and they go, gosh, yeah, you know, this stuff this stuff is happening as I'm literally walking around maybe my place of work or I'm out and about. You know, your, your brand is constantly being looked at, isn't it? And what are people, yeah. what are people getting from that? So, so yeah. So what about the, I was just going to say, what about the third phase? Yeah, it's a contributor. Um, we're really getting up to that level now, you know, where people are feeling that that high respect, they've got that high permission to contribute meaningfully. And it's we talk about that word in particular, I just said meaningful. So we say some people could be making a contribution, but how many feel they're making a meaningful contribution? Um, and that word just game changes the sentence, you know, because people start mm. to go, yeah, actually. And what we tend to find is if you're making a contribution, we talk about you perhaps know what you're doing and how you're doing it. But when you're making a meaningful contribution, that's when you truly understand the why of yourself, the why of the business organization, the why of the business values. And you suddenly go, gosh, I'm contributing to something much bigger than maybe just um, a site level. How am I then what I do in my role? I contribute to the group level. But how are we giving people that space to to bring that innovation, something new, something different um, and actually allowing them to feel like, they really are being recognized for what great work they bring to the business. Um, because, you know, some people want a great stuff, but maybe some leaders just go, well, that's great, but let's just keep with this for now. And they get stuck right. and get trapped. And they're like, I'm itching with really great ideas, but where's my space to talk about it? And then they just conform. And then we just get procrastination. Right. So there's something about also cha- challenging the status quo here or, or, yeah, being invited to. Yeah. That is level four. Okay. I think I'm like one yeah. level. I'm like one level ahead of you every time. That's where we, that's where we go right to the top. <laughs> I'm so eager to get to the top. So how much of this, Paul, before we go to level four, how much of this is in the leader's hands, in your opinion? How much responsibility is is in the leader's hands to create psychological safety and, and sustain it? For me, they role model what the culture should be but they should be allowing everybody to contribute at this kind of level. You know, it's, it's that, it's that ability as a leader to maybe go, do you know, I haven't got the answer. I welcome the team at this point to kind of really bring the answer. Um, And, you know, we've got some great teams that when the leader's not there, the team function better because they're inspired to go, do you know, we really want to make a difference here, you know, and, and you see that difference, you know, teams, I suppose, where I've seen it in the past, you know, take the leader out and they stop functioning. There's obviously too much demand going on and it's like yeah. then challenging the leaders to go you're there to lead and inspire you know you don't need to and no one wants to be micromanaged anymore you know we all want to have that That's freedom right. now to make decisions especially, yeah especially the younger folks they really don't accept the command and control or authoritative style of, of leadership so tell tell me about even though i know we're, i'm mixing the 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 levels but tell me a little bit about level four because of course that would be the the ideal level level for teams and, and leaders to aspire to get to. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, when we when we do this program, when we get up to there, we, we suddenly see people having a bigger voice. You know, they're, they're suddenly feeling that freedom. And, and we get people to understand that this is that, like you said, challenging the status quo, you know, um, increasing that intellectual friction, but reduce the social friction. So actually mm. having more meaningful, rich conversations that you can have with your line manager that you don't feel you're going to be, shut down, ridiculed, patronized, you know, or just put back into a box, you know, you're actually going to be listened to and you've got a valued contribution to whether it is the team dynamics, individual performance, group performance. Um, and we and we finish off that day to really heighten it with a real big activity that swoops in learner, swoops in contributor, and they have to work as a team, but also 
they're going to have to challenge each other because some people's ideas are not going to be as great as other people's ideas and yeah. how do you do that? Um, and then we bring them all back together and actually I'll put them in a situation where they go around and they give each other one-to-one feedback in that moment mm. um, using some psychology from Google, actually, a lady there. So um, it was a, it's a technique called, um, it's called speed back. So it's speed dating mixed up with feedback and you literally have, you know, two minutes in person. You, you sit there, but you just give them literally two or three positive points. And then when you've done that, you move on to the next one. And what I like about it is there's no there's no pre-work. There's no pre-thinking. It's like, it's got to come instantly at the moment. It's fresh from the heart. So when they've had a whole yeah. day, to get, when they've had a whole day together, it's like, right, Paul, I'm going to part you with Michelle now. You have no idea what's going on. All right, you're going to speak to Michelle for two minutes about how have you experienced Michelle today in this workshop? Bang. And you're like, yeah. And you know what you know. <laughs> You know what comes out, Michelle, is the stuff that's going to be really, really important because you haven't thought, how's Michelle going to take it? How do I maybe sugar? Right. Yeah. Um, it just comes out nice and fresh. And, and that part at the end of the day gives them to realize that, you know, what, we need to be doing this more, you know, as a yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the word feedback. I've never, I've never heard of it like that. It's something that I do in all of my trainings. We always call it acknowledgement. But speed, <laughs> speed back is, is, is better. And I think that there's something about also acknowledging, going back to this level four of acknowledging ideas that aren't used. You know, clearly, like, this isn't going to work, but actually making sure that there's some kind of pos- positive acknowledgement for someone trying to contribute something or, you know, participating or whatever, so that there isn't, because otherwise, I think um, it shuts down the space again. You know, it's like someone offers an idea of nothing is said, and it's met with silence, then then it can, again, reduce the psychological safety. So tell me a little bit, tell me, Paul, about a moment in which this work really touched your heart. Um, I think for me, it's when, it's when we do the value exercise and, and people just, just pour out that, that little part of them or that big part of them that suddenly people in the room go, I never knew that about you. And we've worked for so long and there's that real emotional, it's, it's the point where, like we said about the noise, the whole room just calms right down and you just see teams fully immersed into each other, you know, and yeah, there are some of the people that get quite emotional because they don't even realise by exploring those values, what it really means. Um, and then what you then see is we go, you know, when we go into a break after that, I just sit back and watch this team just go up a gear in terms of that yeah. That respect for each other, you know, and they they suddenly just go, "Wow, I know you at a deeper level," and yeah. that would come out, and it, it gets you really in there, you know, when you just go, "I've been able to make that happen to a team." Gosh, the rest yeah. of the the rest of the day is only upwards from now on in, you know. It's yeah. uh, powerful, and I think, you know, on a wide level, we're we're rolling this out now to every single dealership management team, um, mm-hmm. and it touched me that you know people are now really buying into the language and you're starting to hear people talk about it and they get it and they understand it. So it's it suddenly, you know, it's fantastic. We're, we're, yeah. you know, what's my goal in life is just to help people be the best they can. And you look back and go, there you go. We did it. Well, we're doing it. Yeah. We're doing it. We're, we're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. Yeah. And, and it's amazing how much can change in one day in a training when you go deep like that. It's sort of like you have people take off their, their masks and their armor and actually really connect human being to human being. And it shifts everything. I know that in some of my trainings, people will tell me, you know, after four days, and there's quite a lot of this, like, you know, a a lot of work with values and real conversations and authenticity. And I try to hold psychological safety the whole time. Of course, 
with others, which is something we can come back to because I think it's really interesting to talk about how you create it and how you sustain it. Um, but they tell me that later when they see their colleagues walking down the hall of the building they're working in, they don't see them the same way anymore. It's like the way they perceive each other has completely changed. Yeah, and that, and that changes your whole dynamic of working relationships, you know, and, and I think what I love about it as well is, you know, we don't talk about KPIs and performance and things like that, you know, but suddenly people go, do you know, if we do that a little bit better, that's going to improve X. And you're like, there it is, yeah. there, there, there it is, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. fundamentals. That's why Google said it's number one because, yeah, and so I, I struggle, you know, when I when I hear other people, you know, and they're, they're talking about stuff and you're sitting there going, there's something wrong in, at that level. The, the PS level in that organization is not right. You're never going to achieve right. what you want to achieve. On. Right, right. But, you know, a lot of people, because I'm American, you know, but I've lived and worked in Europe in the Middle East for, you know, for the last 20 years. A lot of times when I talk about positive climate on a team, I'll be met sometimes with, oh, that's so American. And and actually, there's quite a lot uh, um Psychological safety is very much related to a positive team climate. What is your opinion about positivity and like how much is too much, you know? Yeah, yeah it's a really good point because, and I think that's why some people, I don't know if the right word is a little bit, maybe not scared of it, but a bit hesitant of exploring psychological safety because they suddenly think everything's got to go fluffy now. Everything's got to go all nice, you know? And, we, and, and it's like, no, 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 it's not about that. You've still... Yeah. Psychological safety is still holding people to account, but it's doing it in the right way. You know, if anything, yeah. being fluffy and being all nice, that almost puts a negative impact on psychological safety because right. people might feel comfortable in that or they don't feel like they can address or air any views, you know, because obviously right. it's like it's going against the grain. So, um, you know, I think I think there's an element that you still need to remember that that hold to account is equally as important because it goes back to, you know, when you talk about like that learner and contributor, people still need feedback. You know, they need to be told, but they need to be told yeah. in the right way. I need to know when I'm doing something right, you tell me. When I'm doing something wrong, equally tell me. Just don't mash the two together. That's when I'm going yeah. to lose the message. And yeah. if I know that, but actually, you know what? I know that if I've been told something wrong, that that's a learning opportunity rather than it is an opportunity to, there you go, there's the ball and chain pull. You can't move on now because you made that one mistake. That That's right. going to crush me. Where actually, if I feel like, right, I've made a mistake, but I get the opportunity to think, how can I do that better? That repeat, yeah. behavior, that repeat behavior won't happen. And I'm actually going to look maybe for a different way of doing it. So I think yeah. there, there is a fine line, but um, it's important that we, we also get that in the session that this is not about, you know, suddenly being all high fives and you know, fluffy. No. It's, it's still, there's a key message that we've got to link this back to. Right, right. And it's actually quite the opposite, especially when you get, there may be maybe, maybe more positivity, especially if a team is not used to giving each other positive feedback. There may be more of that in the beginning, but when you get up to the higher levels, you have radical candor, you have the ability to navigate disagreement and conflict in a whole different way when there is safety. So it's actually quite the opposite that, that, that people think a lot of times that, oh, it's all positive. It, it creates a safe space to, to have the conversations that you wouldn't normally have because you'd be afraid that somebody might be offended or hurt. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, when, when we're talking, especially in the sessions, and then we get them right at the end, you know, right at the end, not only have they got this survey that they've all completed to, to measure the team dynamics at each four stage, but the survey encourages people to go, you know, what's the one thing that could be better in the team to improve inclusion safety? So you've got some real verbatim there that people are going, this is how I feel. But you know, by the time we get to the end of that day, 
everyone's actually willing to explore that feedback far better than what they would have at the start of the day because they're right. the the chance they'd have explored that feedback in a defensive mode well why right. someone said that, who said that they get to that end of the day and they're going that's a really interesting point should we all talk about that point and, yeah. and that to me is really powerful because what it does is it pulls all the emotion out there's no judgment or there's no there's no almost light bulb on one individual person but actually yeah. it's they naturally invite everyone to go well, if one person's thinking it, there's a chance everyone is. Right, right. It becomes depersonalized and more systemic. And then therefore, there's not all this defensiveness yeah. happening. And yeah. I, I remember why. I remember this was the weird session I had. So I fall in the HR team. So I did our HR session. So there I am. I've got one foot in the HR camp and I've got one foot in my facilitator coach camp. And I'm like, this is going to be a great day. And I always remember right at the end. We did, the, we did the session, so I said, I'm going to chuck myself right into the to the team survey because I I obviously played a part of that. I had input, and we we broke out into smaller groups, and I was with one of the uh, one of the HR business partners, and I remember the person turned around to me, and she went, um, that's my comment. And I went, brilliant. I said, that comment's fantastic. And she went, I don't know, is it? She goes, I feel a bit worried now because I've obviously – and I was like, why are you worried? She goes – well, I wanted to air it and I wanted to address it. And I was like, yeah, that's fantastic. So I said, what are you going to do with that comment right now? And she went, oh, I don't know. I said, well, what I, I said, let's reverse it then. For you to leave in an hour's time, knowing that that got answered, what, what needs to happen? She went, I just need to know that what I'm worried about, actually, I don't need to be worried about. And I said, there's your question then. That's the question you need to ask. And I said, who do you need to ask it to? And she knew it. She went, oh, I need to ask it to the HR director. And I went, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And she went, yeah. Really? I said, do it. I said, what is the worst that's going to happen in here? And she was like, nothing. I said, but what's the best, what's the best thing that could happen? She said, I get that confirmation that what I'm worried about is just my own inner voice. Um, so so yeah. we, we come back as a big group, right? And and I'm looking at her in this group and I'm I, we're making eye contact and I'm looking going, you know uh-huh. what? <laughs> and I said, you can do it. And, and I knew she was in a safe place to do it as well, Michelle. I would not have put her in yeah. a safe place where it wasn't. And, and she did. She, she put her hand up. She went, look, can I just be honest? She goes, that's my comment. This is the story. This is why I feel like this. And she got that confirmation because I knew I knew our, our leader would have obviously, you know, not wanted anyone to ever feel like that in a team and never, you know, right. but sometimes we do. And um, you go back to that question, heart moment. That was one moment because at the end, I remember we walked out and she went, Thank you. She said, that has just literally lifted me up so much because she said, I now know that I do not need to worry about that. And she said, this day's really helped me to, to feel like, you know what, tomorrow I can come back in and absolutely it's fine to be me. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how simple it is and yet how fear paralyzes us. <laughs> right? well, we do, don't we? Our own inner voices just stop us from achieving so much that we can achieve. You know. So, yeah, yeah. And I'm not new to it. You know, we all get it, don't we? We all get it. Hold on, my uh, my headphones just went out. Okay, hold on. Can you can you hear me? Yeah, I've got you. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, the sound might change for those who are listening, but my I had my AirPods completely charged and they just went out. Um, okay, so here's another question for you. Let's let's talk about. Um, the relationship between, because I think this is really important looking at the future, between psychological safety and innovation and creativity. Yeah. And you know, that that is the big link because you see teams, once they realize that they, they don't need to worry about what they're coming up with or new ideas, suddenly 
there's a whole new avenue that they can explore. Uh, things don't seem like they're silly ideas anymore. They're actually worth exploring. And if, in general, and if it does seem a bit kind of out there and a bit kind of really creative, what you tend to find is when teams are in a good space, they tend to go, okay, like that idea, let's think about what the options are around that idea. So it might come up from that angle, but it goes off to a totally different sidewinder or someone else then comes in and goes, actually, I like that idea. As much as that might be really out there, what we could do or explore is, is this, this and this. And, and that innovation, that, that's powerful. And I think now more than ever, you know, when we've just gone through what we've gone through in the last two years, you know, businesses are looking for so many different ways. And the only way you're going to innovate is get the people on board. You know, those, yeah, we've got thousands, thousands of employees that I'm sure have got thousands of ideas. And, you know, the more those ideas come forward, that's only going to be the best for the business. Right. It's like tapping into the collective intelligence and resources, which most organizations are, are not doing. Many years ago, I got trained in applied improv for leadership and I learned the tool Yes And, which improvisational actors use on stage. And when we train people in brainstorming, we train them in this yes and, not that you have to say those words, but actually the listening for how you can build positively on what someone has just said. And it makes all the difference in the world to keep the energy and positivity in the room so that people continue to build and build the creativity. Yeah, it's like when coaching, you know, that, that powerful question, it's only two words. You give an answer, you go, what else? And you what keep else? going, you know, you, you get the textbook answer, don't you? And they, they come at you really quick and then suddenly the answer slows down and there's a bigger gap between that stimulus and response and you go, there we go. There's yeah. something magical. And next minute, you know, fifth or sixth answer down the road, you go, there we are. We're, at the sweet, we're really at the sweet spot now where someone's going, actually, that is so much more powerful than answer one, two, three, four or five. Um, right. And it just becomes... But, but I think when you've got psychological safety, it allows people to naturally just go a bit further. Well, yeah, what else yeah. could we do? What else could we do? And we grow and we grow. And then suddenly you see a team come together and go, there it is. There's the change. Whether it's a change of process or whether it's a change of behavior in some cases, it, yeah. it's, it's a shift that will have a natural link to results. So what are some of the really like grounded tips for people who are listening who want to create more psychological safety on, on their teams. Uh, yeah, what are the, the things that people can do? Give me a call and I'll bring <laughs> you up to you. Okay. That's That's okay. <laughs> call, call Paul and then... No. <laughs> um, no, I think, I think there's, definitely, there's definitely something around, you know, get someone external maybe to come in uh, and really just, you know, maybe bring that challenge of safety into a business to, to kind of work it out. Um, Find a way of being more curious of people. You know, don't don't just accept, you know, maybe the default kind of answer. Just slow down. Ask another question. Uh, listen to what they say. Use that language and put it back in the next question, you know, so, and, and really resonate with them on a different kind of level. Um, and just, you know, it's easy to say, I know it's done, but I generally ask people, just slow down a minute. You know, maybe, you know, next time you walk down the corridor, stop and talk. Don't walk and talk you know, and just see what kind of happens. And, and remember key things about people and use those as touch points. You know, oh, I remember when you said this a couple of weeks ago, how's that looking for you right now? What's going on? What was the holiday? And, and just be, just humanize things. Stop, you know, yeah. stop thinking about the end result too much because actually your biggest asset is your people. Right. You know, invest some more time into it um, and, and get to know people. Don't be scared of getting to know people on a deeper level. Um, I think they truly enjoy that because, that's what people want nowadays. And I think that next generation who are so 
focused on digitalization, you know, VR, AR, where it is. That's the generation that I think will have the magic moments where they go, oh, I forgot what it, someone's taking interest in me. Yeah. That, and that, that to me feels really powerful when you go, you're the important person in the room right now, nothing else. Right, right. I mean, it's just, it's so simple. It's just showing, I genuinely care about you. And, yeah. and I'm willing to take the time out of the thousand things I have to do today to actually give you my full and undivided attention. I always tell in, in, in organizations, I always say, go slow to go fast, because if you build those relationships and you show you care and you support people, they will work so much harder and better and they'll go the extra mile for you. That's not why you do it, but that is a, a fantastic plus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. And always, we talk a lot about in the workshop, you know, do you want to create a culture by design or a culture by default? Um, and, you know, you've got to be purposeful. You know, if you want to go and create something, that's not just going to happen just by turning up. And you, you've got to work at it. You've got to create a culture by design. You've got to know where your strategy is. You've got to know, yeah, your organizational values, but do you know your team's values? Do you know them on an individual level? You know, how does that align? Because, and that, that takes energy and that takes work. But for the leaders that invest in it, you, what you get back in return, you, you can't naturally cap right. that. Right, and I would say, Paul, it takes energy and work but especially in the beginning, it's like it's comparable to your, your, your husband or your wife or your romantic partner. If you invest in creating a really solid relationship with a, you know, a, a great foundation and there's trust, then that relationship can withstand a lot of storms. But mm -hmm. if you don't if you don't have that, then the first thing that, you know, when there's a crisis, everyone falls apart. So I think that there's a lot of investing in the beginning, but then you can just kind of maintain it. It's not about, you know, it's just like with a, with a partnership, I think. Yeah, it becomes, you know, people, and that's when it gets back to, it shouldn't be expensive to be yourself because you don't have to be second-guessing yourself or overthinking things. You go, I can just be me, you know, and the autonomy and the freedom that you, it comes with, I just think it empowers so many people. But um a lot of people don't a lot of people don't see that they see that as let's drive to the big results and everyone will follow and not at all well right exactly like you'll you hear that a lot i don't have time for this you know and i understand because a lot of people are completely overwhelmed and that's why i think it's a paradigm shift to realize that if you take this time now it will save you a ton of time later yeah absolutely um so speaking of yeah when you mentioned me let's talk about you for a moment and tell me um, in your opinion, what is the most important personality trait that someone would need to have or strength in order to do your job? I can't give that away. That's my secret. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I'll let it out. I'll let it out on this one occasion as you asked it so nicely. Um, be interested in people. Mm. Not interested in the end result. Not interested in what the win is, what the big gain is. Just be interested in people. Um, and give people give people space to talk, air their views, be listened to. Um, and, that, that, and you know, I generally that's all I do when I'm coaching, when I'm in a workshop. For me, it's about I'm going to create you the space to be who you want to be um, for that moment. And so you get that feeling, that feeling, and that that's something I've had to work at. You know, my opinions go out the window, my judgments go out the window. Right in that space, at the time we've got together, I'm only interested in you. Um, and if it means, I mean, I was with someone yesterday, we were just doing some coaching and um, 
he walked in the room and then an hour later I said, how are you feeling? And he said, I walked in not having a clue what we were going to do. And he said, I don't know how you've done it. I have now got so many great ideas that I know I can go and be, but I want it because it's me. And it's like, they're, they're, they're the kicks. They're the moments I get. So um, yeah, in simple terms, yeah, just be interested in people. Be interested in people, gen- genuinely interested in people. Yeah. And I think I would add to that from what you're saying is be okay with silence. Be okay with leaving some silence for people to dig into to their answers. Because a lot of times I think we fill the space with speaking and we don't allow the conversation to go deeper because we're uncomfortable with silence. Yeah, always. Yeah, we always have to fill up. We need to fill that gap, don't we? And that, that's where that to me where the power really happens because that silence is them thinking. Um, and they're perhaps really going in quite deeper. They're thinking from the heart for that moment because they're connecting with everything that's going on rather than just that instant reaction from the brain. Um, but yeah, that, that's it. And then the rest of it, just bring your unique self in. <clears throat> and I was just going to say that when you are silent, but you stay present and connected with someone, you're holding a space and they can feel you're waiting for them to find their answer. So you're, you're coming out of a superficial conversation and, and going into something deeper. Mm-hmm. And I think people are really hungry for that because in the do, do, do mode that we get in, we lose that. We lose the human being part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause we're so, we want everything yesterday, don't we? Um, and I think we forget, don't we? That, and I think also what's more powerful is because we're, we're using a lot of technology now, aren't we? Whether it is, you know, virtual sessions, texting, WhatsApp, and all the different kind of apps, that just almost dilutes what the human connection and the richness you have when you're suddenly with someone, whether it's one-to-one or in a group, you, you can never replicate that over, a, yeah. over digitalization. Yeah, so speaking of one-to-ones, I know you have children, right? How many children do you have? I've got two, yeah, boy and a girl. A boy and a girl. Uh, how would they describe the work you do? Uh, they go, are you doing that blah, 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 blah stuff again? <laughs> That's it, yeah. Um, my children know, my children fully well know when I'm coaching because when I start getting into that coaching mode by default and I'm asking them questions, they straight away go, you're doing that questioning thing again, Dad. Over <laughs> the but no, they love it, and that, especially when I'm like at home and I'm designing maybe some of the, uh, yeah, the experiential learning activities. Mm. Um, and I think they would describe it as in, he just goes to work, has fun, and helps people be the best they can. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, they they are very funny when they when I ask them, they're just like, you're doing one of that. So one of the one of the I remember one of the activities is um, Houston, we have a problem, you know, and we oh, Houston, we have a problem, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the other day I was, I was putting some stuff together, prep work, and my dad said, oh, you're doing the spaceship game, aren't you, dad? And I was like, yeah, I am. Yeah. And he's like, when can we do it? I was like, I tell you what, you get yourself one, one day when, you, when you're up there and you, you're doing great stuff, I'll throw you into that activity. Um, but, yeah, no. yeah, I mean, I think it's great. I was just telling my daughter yesterday, who she's 19 now, but she's gone through the entire coaching training program and she's getting certified not that she's going to be a coach, but you know, this, this is good for anything you do in, in life. And I listen to her sometimes and she's so talented. And I think she's gotten a lot of it just like us, like via osmosis. I think she's just grown up with it and it's just gone into her system. Right. And sometimes I listen, I think, where did you learn all that? But she's just been a, a witness to it her whole life. Um, so in terms of like, just for a moment, personal life, how do you create psychological safety at home? How do you create a space where your kids will tell you what's going on? I know how I've done it, but I'd love to hear, you know, how do you bring this stuff to your family? Um, we go back to old school ways. Um, so, 
you know, and it was sound really, really basic, but truly mean like we when we first moved into our house, you know, we didn't we didn't have a dining room table, we created the kitchen area, we had an island, you know, and it was great. And, and I remember saying to my wife, and I was like, Do you know what? I remember when I remember when I met her and when I was at home, you know, it was me, mum and dad. We didn't have a dining room table where our dinner at, you know, it just the house was small for whatever reason. I remember going around to my wife's house. And um, it was her, mum, dad, brothers and sisters. I remember going around for dinner once and the first time was on this dining room table. And I loved it because we were there, we were talking, we were sharing, we were eating, we were socialising. It was just such, I just felt that warm, fuzzy feeling. And um, and then I remember my wife came around to my parents and she was like, it's a really different experience. And I was like, yeah, it was. So when we moved in, I said, like, do you know what? That to me is really the heart of the home is we will have times together, whether it is dinner times, you know, or lunch times when we're all together, we come back. And to me, John, without obviously telling our, the whole family about it, that, that to me is that moment where we go, we bring our lives all together. You know, my children's school lives, my wife's work, what she's done in a day, what I've done in a day. And you just listen and we all just sit there just talking and listening to each other's worlds or what's going on next, what, what, what we're planning there. And then it was just going to crazy conversations around, oh, do you remember when we did this? When we did that? Oh, watch holiday chats. And you know, you just think there's no agenda, Michelle. It's just a family talking. And I know sometimes they quote, don't they? The heart of the home is you know, where the kind of chat happens and it's the dining room table. It's got all the secrets, isn't it? The dining room table, what can happen? But, um, that's where we created it. And then outside of that, it's really then just ensuring all the time, you know, we're listening, we're giving each other space, you know, and I try very hard not to then tell my children what to do. I would ask them, right. So so you've got a situation. What's the right thing to do right now and how are you going to apply that? And then my daughter, definitely, she'll come back and she'll go, I tried this. Was this the right thing? And then my son will be talking about something he's seen at school. And and you know what? Hey, the kids, they make mistakes, you know, but I would not want to shoot them down for that. I'd want to go, how do you learn from that? Yeah, yeah. I learned to to control my reactions when they would come home and say I flunked the test or I would always start with, well, how do you feel about that? And like, what happened? And what would you do differently next time? And to, to create a sense of, of responsibility and accountability, because I thought, you know, when they're 30, <laughs> I'm not going to be there. Right. They need to develop. I mean, I'll be there in a different way. Right. But that they need to develop a sense of I want to do this for me, not because I'm disappointing my parents or pleasing them. And I, I love that you brought the, the the table because I traveled my kids all, all my kids' entire lives. I was traveling half the time and that was very hard. But every time I was home, we always had this sacred moment around the round table. And we we had a ritual which was to share each one of us what was the best moment of the day and what was the worst moment of the day. And it was a way to learn about what was going on in everybody's lives because if I asked my kids when they came home from school, how was your day? They would always just say, fine. I would never get any, any information like that. And what was really cool over time, Paul, was that they would help each other. So if Sophia said something like, you know, she felt like she was being bullied on the playground, one of the boys would chime in and say, well, you know, you could try this or, hey, I know that kid. And, you know, so, so it became a, um, a, a place where I witnessed the building of their relationships with each other that was just so, so beautiful. And today they've got, I mean, they're all young adults and they have an amazing relationship. And I'm, I'm sure that part of it was that round table, <laughs> that round table that we sat around over and over again. And I, it was not easy, Paul. I had a lot of times where I felt more like a referee than a participant because they really struggled to listen to each other a lot of times. 
they would interrupt, they would cut each other off. And it was a lot of work, but it, it paid off, it really paid off. So I love that you brought that up because I think for anybody who's listening, everybody who's listening who has children, don't underestimate the power of sitting around at a table at mealtime with the TV off and your, and your phones put away. Oh, 100%. Yeah, there's, there's no technology, you know. We never, you know, we never even told them that. I think they just naturally go, yeah, do you know, that's it. And I think we we did that from an early age when we went out to, like, restaurants and that, you know. We wouldn't take the phone. We would take, like, crayons and drawing and we'd just do simple stuff like that, you know, because I didn't want my kids, you know, and, but, you know, this is just maybe one of my values and I'm sure other people have got different values, but I didn't want my children looking at that screen when we're going out for a social right. event. Um, sure. they've, they've got enough time for their screen when when they're at home and they want some kind of chill out time but um but yeah you know and it's just simple idea you know find a space if you haven't got space for a table find a space or a time of the day where you can go this is our time just to just to talk and connect um but i agree with you me and my wife have many moments where we're like have we got this wrong <laughs> <laughs> what just happened there i thought we were really moving forward yeah and those oh, kids, I had so many kids can curveball you so I much. I had so many moments like that where I was ready to get up from the table and give up. And a couple of times, a couple of times I did. I got up. I was so frustrated. But one of them would, one of them, or sometimes all three of them would come after me and say, "Mom, mom, mom, come back to the table." But yeah, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Um, can you share? I know we're coming to the end now, but I would love to hear like a story of where you failed or something didn't work in terms of psychological safety or just the trainings you do and what you learned? Yeah, I've always, I've always got one, one story where I read it wrong. So um, we were for Silos, we were launching, this was a pre-company company at the moment. This was um, about, six, no, about seven or eight years ago and we were launching a new, uh, a new kind of system out to a load of store managers. Um, and we, you know, we would naturally have like, um, you know, senior managers would be turning up to observe the sessions, you know, just to make sure it's landing right. Um, and I'd had, for whatever reason, I'd had my regional manager the day before and, you know, felt really truly in my comfort zone. You know, psychological safety was there. It was high. You know, I embraced, I, I pulled him into the session. You know, we, we had a great session. The next day, I then weirdly, I had my head of L&D in the room. And if I knew I'd have known what I'd have known now, Michelle, I'd have controlled it better. But I knew the night before I was feeling anxious and I was overthinking, but then I was changing stuff and I wish I'd have challenged myself and said, don't. So I went into the session and I, I didn't facilitate to the group. I facilitated to her. Oh, yeah. And I lost the group. That was my downfall there, Michelle. And I lost the group. And I felt that horrible moment. You know, I was in, I had red zone moments most of that day because I was thinking I was, I was desperate. I was clutching at straws. I was trying to bring the energy back in. Oh, gosh, I can feel it. I'm just, I'm sorry. as a trainer, I'm just imagining going, oh, my God. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, yesterday it went amazing. What? And I'm almost reflecting while I'm facilitating. It's all going on. And then, you know, don't get me wrong. The store managers at that time would not have known. You know, they, they got a good session, but I knew. And I could see, you know, when you just feel that vibe. Yeah, yeah. We got to the end of the day and I sat down with my head of L&D. And I, I remember she said at the time, she went, how did that feel for you, Paul? And I said, didn't feel great. You know, and I, we explained it all. And, she, and I remember she said then, she said, you facilitated to me, not the group. And she mm. said, Next time you got those guests in there, you don't need to worry about us. You know, we 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 get the buzz by seeing how well the managers are picking it up. And I said, yeah, absolute schoolboy error. Um, and it stayed true with me. So it helped me because now I go, do you know what? When when everyone comes in that room, you're all in that room together. Take the seniority off. Take the titles off. 
that. You're all in there together. So now, you know, if that director walks in and tries to walk to the back, I'm like, you're in the middle with us. You're in. Um, you're one of us. Yeah, and I, and I suppose I don't feel the fear now to challenge that. If I'm like, that's that challenge the status quo. I'm like, look, if you're going to come in my room, you've got to embrace the day, you know. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, we have that too. If anybody comes in from the outside, human resources or, you know, directors, they don't, nobody gets to observe. We always say, if you're in, you're a participant. You have to participate in everything because it changes the psychological safety if suddenly people think that, that they're being observed. 100%, yeah. And also what I've learned is, when that group of you know managers see that senior person in the room and they're in the room and they're doing the activities and they're sharing and being open, there's that psychological safety again. Suddenly it's like, wow, yeah. I don't look at that leader as, oh, you're a big CEO director. I look at you as one of us now and it feels more comfortable. So yeah, there's my big Yeah, I was going to say that's one of the, the best ways to create psychological safety is to lead by example, whether it's how you ask questions or how you acknowledge other people or being the first one to tell your story or talk about your, your, your failure or whatever. But I think that leaders have a little bit more impact than, than the rest of the people in terms of creating and protecting cycle. And that was another thing I, I wanted to mention is that in my experience, it's, a re- it's really important to, to remember that it's not just about creating psychological safety, but looking after it. So having agreements with your team that if someone breaks it, if someone does something that is against what we've agreed is are the rules of the game on this team, that everybody speak up, that there's shared accountability for holding it. It's not just the leader's job to, to say something if psychological safety is broken, but that we all are holding it. And I think that's super important. Yeah, agree. And we, we, you know, we challenge people that it's not a tap. You know, you can't just turn this on and turn it off when you want. It's you've got to keep going with it because it's you'll get it and it'll be brilliant and it can definitely undo very quickly if you let it slip. Exactly, exactly. One person, right? One person can undo it. Yeah. yeah. So um, let's talk for a moment about before I we tell listeners where they can find you online, like books, resources, things that have inspired you that you could recommend to people maybe to get more into psychological safety or, or anything really? Yeah, I mean, you know, the good book's definitely you've got Amy Edmondson's book, you know, obviously a great book there that she's obviously launched about psychological safety. Um, but I definitely would have met The Four Stages of Psychological Safety by Leader Factor. Um, that really resonated with me because not only is it full of tips and tricks, but it's full of a backstory of what the author, you know, Timothy R. Clark has done with it. And you, you really can resonate with, different characters in the book that you go gosh I've got those characters yeah I've worked with those characters yeah um, yeah those books um gosh you know I'm trying to think of the amount of books that you read over the years any that have really struck a chord with me yeah because it could be just a book that's also impacted you personally it doesn't have to be related to psychological safety yeah I'm just trying to think it's a good question what books um because I buy a lot of books I don't read a lot of books that's my downfall <laughs> so yeah absolutely so I'm, no I'm, time. I'm thinking of the bookshelf. Um, you know what, Paul? Audible has saved my life because I used to read a lot in the evening when I was tired and I found that it made me sleepy. And now I listen to all my books on Audible in the morning walking in the park. And I feel like I can almost consume a book a week. So wow. Audible, is, Audible has changed the game for me with, with uh, reading. I mean, reading, right? I have to put that in air quotes because it's not reading, it's listening. Yeah. And you know, if I, my learning style knocks the great reading, but if I was to change the question just a little bit, if it was if yes. it was to say to me a movie that grabbed you and one that I love, and we all watch as a family, 
Greatest Showman has just got so many magical messages in there. That is, is that the one with Hugh Jackman? No, gonna, yeah, okay. yeah the, the circus. And you know what? He he brings a group of people together that don't fit the norm. Um, that people wouldn't even like to see, you know, let them talk about in an era. And you kind of go, it embraces what we should be doing is actually, it doesn't matter what you look like, what you sound like, you know what, those unique talents. And there's loads of great messages in there. So linking it back that to me, I, I would watch this every time. And I'd look at that and go, that's got psychological safety dripping out of it. You know what it's all about because it's got all those elements. So, um, oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So now, Pitch, where can people get a hold of you? And maybe even say like a little bit about what you what you offer, what you do. Yeah, so, you know, obviously I work for Jardy Motors Group, so I'm head of leadership. I do all the leadership development forum, but, um, you know, I do coaching and that. But, um, yeah, more than happy to connect with people outside of that if they want any advice, um, what any top tips around what to do. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, not a problem, connect with me. I'm happy to do any keynote talks if you want or speaking around psychological safety. I mean, podcast you know really happy to share my knowledge and my wealth you know definitely wider with people um so yeah feel free and yeah if there's an opportunity you know we can work together even brilliant you know i'd happily happily do that and i'm sure uh, i'd get support from my director uh, if we needed an opportunity to do it but no i've got a couple of great keynote talks coming up in the future and i think that i'm excited by that and do more of that to get on stage and, and share with wider people just the power this can bring yeah, thank you so much for your time, for being here with me today. It, I really enjoyed this conversation because, like I said in the beginning, this is one of my favorite topics. So it's been yeah. Thank you. It's been great. I really enjoyed that conversation with Paul. I feel like we could have talked for another couple of hours because we're both so enthusiastic about the subject. And I want to underline some of the personal tips that he had for his own success because I thought they were so good. So one of them was... Curiosity, the ability to park judgment and opinions and truly open yourself up to someone and listen to them 100%. And in that, using their words, reflecting back to them what you're hearing and not paraphrasing, but actually zeroing in on what resonates for them. And then slowing down. I thought that was so good. Like when you see somebody in the hallway, stop and talk versus walk and talk. Remember the key touch points. You can say, hey, you know, that thing you told me about last week, how are you doing with that? So you can show people you've listened and you care. If in the end people are our biggest asset, then we have to invest time and really get to know people on a deeper level. And in the long run, it makes all the difference in the world. I hope you've enjoyed this. If you want to investigate more, you've got a couple of books that Paul recommended I really believe that psychological safety is the most important thing for a leader to focus on. So see you in a couple of weeks for the Spanish episode. And if not in a month for the next one in English, thank you for listening to Leadership Game Changers and feel free to write me with any feedback or requests for somebody you'd like me to interview.